Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Zach, and this is the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. Thank you for joining us in our second episode. I'm joined here by my good friend, Anthony Perry. Anthony, how you doing? What's going on, Zach? Uh, Nine-nothing win. Probably one of the worst wins I've ever seen, but uh, hey, they got the job done, you know, and I think that's what matters the most. Totally, totally, I agree. Uh, you guys can find me at Zach Hernan, Z-A-C-H-H-E-R-N-A-N, or my 49ers Hive account. Anthony, why don't you let people know where they can find you on social media? So for Niners stuff, I always use Twitter, and my handle is uh, Perry, P-E-R-R-Y, underscore 49ers. Again, Perry, P-E-R-R-Y, underscore 49ers. All right, now that that's out of the way, uh, let's get into this Redskins game. Uh, real quick, we should do a real quick sign before we actually dive into it. It was an ugly game. It was not good at all. Um, it was a slugfest. It was pouring down rain. They were pretty much playing in a whole body of water. But the Niners were able to leave D.C. with a, with a W. They won 9 nothing. Kyle was able to get revenge on his old team that fired him and his dad. Uh, he gave the, the game ball to his pops. I thought that was cool. Um, no touchdowns, three field goals won it. No, uh, gold actually missed a field goal. We'll get into that a little later. Um, I think we had a couple, couple quick injuries. Marquise Goodwin left early in the game. Jimmy Moreland kind of took a cheap shot at him, even though the announcers were saying it was, they ran into each other. I thought that was kind of funny. Very clearly did not run into each other. And then Matt Breida left. I think they were both evaluated for concussions, even though they both passed the test. And I think I saw that Matt Breida was actually poked in the eye pretty gnarly. So other than that, um, I don't think there are any other injuries. But let's get into this uh, this offense, Anthony. How did the offense do? Are there any players that stood out to you specifically? You know, in a 9 to nothing game, it's really hard to figure out who stood out. I mean, Garoppolo had an okay game. You know, given the conditions, it uh, he did as okay as I thought he could do, considering how rainy it was. Uh, 12 of 21, 151 passing yards, no touchdown, one interception. He also ran the ball four times for 20 yards. Um, I guess he didn't stand out other than moving the ball when it mattered most. You know, out of 12 completions, I think he had, like, three or four of them for third down, which turned into first downs, which uh, ultimately set the tone for the Niners' offense. You know, in the type of game where they really couldn't get much of it going, the fact that he could at least drive them into some field goal spots, I think is what they just really needed the most. Because you watch a game and you see how the weather is playing out, you knew it wasn't going to be a... 40 to 30 game like we predicted, <laughs> like a like a 40 to 7 game. So Garoppolo made the most of what he did. Um, other guys who not really stood out but I guess came in when it mattered are guys like George Kittle had a couple big catches. Kendrick Bourne had a really good rack catch run after the catch. Uh, Richie James's one catch was really helpful. But other than that, the passing game was relatively quiet. It was the run game that made some noise. Although the Redskins filled out their running lanes against the Niners pretty well, the Niners were able to move the ball on the ground, at least from what I saw, a lot more effectively than in the air. So, you know, it was a mixed bag. Tevin Coleman, 20 carries, 62 yards. 
Matt Breida, eight carries, 35 yards. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo ran for 20. Uh, even Jeff Wilson got a couple of carries for 20 yards. So everyone on the ground contributed. Outside of Tevin Coleman, I mean, he didn't even have that good of a game. Everyone did something, and I think that's what really, you know, it was a tough watch, but everyone contributed, and ultimately that's pretty much what mattered for this game. Yeah, totally. It was ugly, and I know we had discussed the the point predictions last podcast, and I don't know. I guess I completely missed that it was supposed to rain. I know that we had talked about there was a, a chance of rain, but from what even Stefan told us, it was supposed to be gone, you know, before the game started. So I did not think about the rain and take that into consideration. So of course, the point differential is going to be totally different. Um, something I wanted to go into really quickly, and this is a little off topic, but this Dov Kleeman guy on Twitter, he just hates Jimmy Garoppolo. I cannot understand how somebody who isn't even, you know, has nothing to do with the 49ers. I don't think he covers the 49ers. He may cover the NFL as a whole, but he cannot stand Jimmy Garoppolo. Any sort of thing that has anything to do with Garoppolo, he has to jump in there and start talking, you know, smearing his name. He felt the need to tweet earlier, Jimmy Garoppolo has eight total TDs and eight total turnovers. This is like the definition of a guy that literally just looks at the box score at the final stats takes zero context into play and just wants to shout out stats. So for Dov, I'd like to say, you know, after Jimmy Garoppolo's one turnover today, which is kind of amazing considering the conditions. I know there should be no turnovers, but it was a pretty much a a tsunami out there. He went eight for eight with 113 yards. Uh, That was, that's, that's amazing. I mean, he did, he he was a hundred percent, 113 yards, made some very clutch throws there. Uh, a couple good third down throws. Um, I, I think they made a fourth down in the air. I, I'm trying to remember correctly to, to Dwelly, but I just wanted to get that out there because this guy needs some defending because people, the media is trying to come for him and I don't, I don't understand it. The guy's been playing well, especially with the 49ers quarterbacks of recent history. They're, they're acting like they're spoiled. I don't understand. But back to the question, players that stood out for me. Um, I would definitely say, first of all, Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne showed up, showed out today, and it was nice because we had been talking yes, uh, the other day when we did the last podcast about how a wide receiver has yet to separate themselves from the pack, and the 49ers desperately need one, need one too. Well, today Kendrick Bourne did that in my opinion. He had three catches for 69 yards, 23-yard average, and a long of 28 and on four targets. So he only had one that he wasn't able to haul in. Um, I, I personally think one of those should have been a touchdown. I don't think he was touched down, um, by a Redskins player. I think he was into the end zone untouched, but the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan felt differently because they didn't throw that challenge flag. I don't know if they felt that they couldn't, you know, get conclusive evidence to overturn it, but he really stood out for me today. Um, let's see, we're talking about the offense. I would say even Jimmy stood out for me today. I know you talked about him a little bit, but you know, he, he's a bit of a a risk taker. He's a bit of a gunslinger and it was hard out there with the weather. He should have probably had one more interception. I think, uh, the Redskins dropped one that I can think of, but it, it, he played a solid game and we've talked about this as well. They keep finding ways to win differently. And that's what makes a, a good team good. The fact that they're not one-dimensional, the fact that they're not all about one way and that's it. If you take that away, they're done. 
You know, this was an all-out slugfest. They won nine to nothing, three field goals, and Jimmy got his team in position every time. So I, I really like that. I thought he showed up, and Richie James as well. I mean, I know we're talking about the same guys here, but Richie James had uh, a nice, I think it was a 16, 17-yard punt return that gave the Niners good field position to set up. Uh, he had that bomb of a catch for 40 yards. And, you know, the 49ers desperately needed somebody, especially with Goodwin going down early with an injury. Um, I see Pettis got two targets. He didn't haul anything in. And I think, uh, Jimmy kind of threw one to him that was off target. So I was, I was really excited to see Bourne and James. I saw afterwards they were being interviewed by Tim Ryan or, or Kendrick Bourne was. And he goes, you know, where Kendrick Bourne says, we're second and third stringers. You know, we always tell, I always tell Richie, you know, we got it. We got to keep our names right or our mind ready, ready to play at any moment. And Tim Ryan goes, I just want to let you know, you're not second or third stringers in my, my book. You are bona fide starters. And I think you can just tell from Kendrick's reaction that, you know, he really appreciated that. And I, I love Kendrick Bourne. I think the guy could get a lot more, more work in this offense and they could really use it. Um, especially with, you know, no, no wide receivers really separating from the pack. I don't understand why they don't try and get him involved more. He always is a yards after catch machine. The guy's physical. He's big. He's a red zone threat. So I would love to see Kendrick Bourne get more involved in this offense. Uh, moving on. What did they do well today, Anthony? Cause yeah, I mean, people like, you know, Dov Kleeman, if they're just going to look at the box score, they're probably going to say they didn't do much well, but I'm sure we could disagree with that. What do you think they did well? You know, I brought it up earlier. It was one of those games where it's hard to point out what was really, really good. Well, I'm going to say I think that's kind of wrong. You know, they didn't move the ball too much, but that's okay because they, with the ball in their hands, made the most out of everything they could do. Jimmy Garoppolo was clutch. Kendrick Bourne, Richie James. Uh, the run game wasn't pretty, but guys are moving the ball forward as best as they could. And, you know, that's the most you could ask for on offense, especially in those conditions. Um, other than the kind of crappy interception that Garoppolo threw, the offense in general didn't really put the Redskins in a good position to score. Uh, Mitch Wisnowski only punted the ball twice today, both punts inside the 20, but even if it's only two punts, that kind of goes to show that the offense wasn't really doing anything wrong. Generally, when a punter punts the ball four or five times, it means the offense isn't moving well, period. But the offense got the team in field goal range a few times. Uh, Gold went three or four from his field goals. Uh, you know, it's just, I really think that their ball movement in the clutch when it matters most was the best part about the team today, Zach. It's just to see how well they did under pressure, the pressure, not just being the Redskins really, but the wet, rainy conditions, knowing that this game was an absolute slugfest. It was one of those games where it's like, who's got the will, who's got the courage, who's got the drive to just want to win the game more. And ultimately it was the Niners and they didn't give up. They didn't let the rainy conditions stop them from driving. It was really frustrating to watch though. I will admit that. It felt like that, uh, it felt like that the Niners weren't getting in their own heads about the conditions. They kept moving the ball. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't super effective. But overall, the Niners were able to just really get the job done. And the Redskins defense is no pushover. They have some good players on that team. 
And I wouldn't say they clamped the Niners, but they did give the Niners a hard time when it came to running the ball. And, you know, Garoppolo might, might have only completed 12 passes, but it sure felt like when the passes were completed, you know, the Redskins' defense kind of opened up and gave the Niners opportunities to make plays with the ball. So I think overall their clock control was really well too. So I think those are my two main things is clock control and coming in the clutch for the offense. All right. I like it. Yeah, um, there were some clutch plays made by this offense today. And, you know, they might not have been fourth and goal, you know, the playoffs on the line, but they were still clutch. They were still able to win this game for the team. So um, I totally agree with you there. I also think, um, you know, the the big catches by the wide receivers, they had some really nice runs. Um, and, you know, they didn't let their teams down. Like you were saying, this is a really, really talented front line for the Redskins. I mean, they have John Allen, uh, Ioannidis. There are some Montez Sweats. So there's some, there's talent here. And the 49ers, um, you know, they were running the ball. They weren't running it as well as they have in previous years. Um, but they were still running the ball, you know. So their leading rusher was Coleman. He had 62 yards. And then Breida had another 35. Granted, he was injured. But they they were doing well. And, you know, going back to, to Jimmy, I, I'm sorry to keep going back to him, but he had, uh, you know, a Steve Young-esque run earlier in the game where he shook off a defender, fought another one, and made his way forward for a first down. And that, that was awesome to see. I mean, I was just hyped. Tim Ryan was calling him Jimmy Jukes. I thought that was funny. But this team, you know, they got heart. They got character. They're not going to, you know, crumble under adversity. They're ready to face whatever challenges, whatever sort of type of game is going to be placed in front of them. And I think they showed that today because this is an ugly game. Uh, and they did what it had to do, what they had to do to, to win it. So, uh, now that we talked about what they did well, let's move on to what could have gone better. I can start first. Um, definitely. I'm going to throw him out there again, Robbie Gold. And it's hard to blame him because of the weather today. It really is. And uh, he missed, I think he was one for four today on field goals. So, you know, with that first one, I, I think it was like 40-some yards. Um, I'm not sure exactly on it, but it, it's understandable why he missed it because of the weather. There was super strong winds blowing, uh, I think, like uh, east to west or something like that. But he should have... I don't want to say he should have made it, but it's it's hard to to not put blame on the guy who was there, not there during the off season, trying to get his money. And it's not like this is the first time he's missed a kick. Uh, he's missed what seven this season now, so it, the number just keeps growing. And I, I think they said on on the on the um, telecast that he's had he missed three kicks in the previous three years combined, and he's missed seven this year. That's more than twice in, what, six games? So that definitely could have gone better. Uh, the 49ers could have opened up a little better. They um, they came out flat on offense. And it seems like this team is not a first-quarter type of team. It seems like it takes them a couple of drives, offense and defense, to kind of get into the flow of things and start playing well. Uh, going back to last week at the Rams game, the Rams came out running all over them that first play or that first drive. I'm sorry. And they couldn't do anything to stop them. And the Redskins pretty much did the same thing today. I mean, they, they were running all over the team, but let's talk about the defense later. 
I think that definitely the offense could have done a lot more. Uh, Jimmy, he came out looking flat. The run game, they were getting stuffed. So I definitely think there are things to improve on. I know Kyle's not going to let them, you know, hang their heads high and think that there's nothing to be worked on because there definitely is. Um, so what do you think, Anthony? What do you think could have gone better? You know, I credit Jimmy Garoppolo for playing well given the conditions. But at the same time, there's still some questionable throws he makes. And I get that he's pretty much due for at least one or two questionable throws a game. But at the same time, it's just such a scary thing to think about that Garoppolo really just kind of not heaves the ball, but he really puts the ball in tight windows and really trusts his receivers to make physical, tough catches. And, you know, guys like Pettis, who really is showing out a lot better than people expected after a kind of rough start and a rough training camp, uh, the one interception that he threw to Pettis that was ultimately double covered where Washington safety Troy Apke came in and intercepted it, I would say one of those ones was a pretty questionable call. Um, Pettis just wasn't really in a good position to catch the ball. And some people were saying the throw was good, the throw was bad. Pettis should have done a better job knocking it down. Pettis should have tried to catch it. Well, I think ultimately you just take the situation and you take the throw and that just doesn't seem like the right play to run. So I'm not crediting play calling as something that went wrong, but I am crediting Jimmy Garoppolo's decision making. Again, there was a few, few throws today that were just really tight window throws that were either dropped or incompleted. And you just go, man, if that was intercepted, this could be a totally different game. But luckily the defense came in, and obviously we'll get more into that later. But other than that, I would say the run game was kind of frustrating also. You know, wet, rainy conditions, it's not easy for those guys to run in. I get it. But with the way the offensive line has been opening holes for the run game all throughout the season, you would have thought that the Niners could have had at least a few opportunities to break out some big runs. And other than Garoppolo's scramble, which wasn't obviously a designed run, the Skins kind of shut down the Niners' run game. I know they ran for over 100 yards, but let me pull up my friendly notes here. Uh, Tevin Coleman averaged three yards a carry. Matt Breida got knocked out of the game early, but even then, eight carries, 35 yards. He averaged four and a half yards per carry. Uh, Jeff Wilson, only four yards a carry. So the Redskins did a really good job at bottling up the run game. I would have wanted to see the Niners move the ball on the ground a lot better because, like it, like I said, you know, those wet, rainy conditions, you're not exactly putting your quarterback out there to throw the ball 20 to 25 times. And a lot was relying on the run game. So I think that the failure to really, really get the ball, or excuse me, get the run game going on the ground was just, it was kind of frustrating to watch. But, you know, they came in clutch when it mattered and, you know, I guess at the end, since they're 6-0, you can say that's all that really mattered. They did their job. They did what they had to do. And they gave the team the W. You know, like I said, and that's all everyone's going to talk about is how bad the rain was, how the whole pool – or excuse me, how the whole field was just like a big swimming pool. You know, that's just – it's not easy for guys to play on. But at the same time, you do want to see guys stand out. You want to see guys really – take advantage of certain things like that. And ultimately the Niners didn't. And that's not their fault. 
you know, this is probably going to be the only game where they play in conditions like that. So it can be overlooked pretty quickly. But a 9 to nothing game that ultimately felt like a nail-biter against the Redskins is something that I didn't want on my Sunday afternoon. So they got the job done. I felt like the execution could have been better on most parts, but that that's pretty much it, I would say. Um, the run game, Garoppolo's questionable throws, which I know he'll always do, and just execution. I think those were the big things about this game. Okay, I like it. Um, yeah, it was definitely a nail-biter, one that I wasn't expecting, at least not to this extent. Um, I will say, though, that even when it, that, you know, even though it was a, an ugly score, an ugly game, I think it was obvious the entire game who the better team was. Uh, take away somewhat of the first quarter for the Redskins. The 49ers essentially dominated this game uh, for the rest, the, th- the other three quarters, you know, and they may not have dominated offensively or yards wise, but the Redskins weren't able to do anything. They were moving the ball. They'd have a couple drives here, a couple drives there that would go, you know, they'd get one or two first downs, but for the most part, they couldn't do anything. And, you know, they, they got the interception and then the defense held them to nothing. They tried going it for fourth and one and they held it to nothing. Um, so I, I just wanted to say that real quick. So let's move out. Let's move on. I'm sorry. What are some plays that stood out to you? Uh, what, what do you think was the most impactful when you, when you look back to this, this, this game, what plays kind of stand out as really, really game changing plays? Uh, for the offense, I definitely think that Kendrick Bourne's rack catch was huge. You just watch that guy go and it's like, he's not fast. He's not super quick. He's not super agile. But when he gets the ball in his hands, you get the feeling that he can make something happen, that he can break a tackle and get an extra five or 10 yards. You know, that's the type of ability I think Kendrick Bourne has that a lot of people overlook. And when you're given that opportunity, I think Bourne, out of all the wide receivers, makes the most of it. I really do. I think he's one of the more underrated pieces of this offense that, quite frankly, deserves more playing time. Uh, outside of Bourne's big catch, which I do agree with you. I thought that was a touchdown, too. It was really close. Richie James's one catch was huge also. You know, in a game where chunk plays didn't happen almost at all, for Kendrick Bourne and Richie James to really just move the ball on their own. And keep this in mind, too. Kendrick Bourne and Richie James were basically the passing offense today. I mean, Bourne, three catches, 69 yards. Uh, Richie James, it was what, one catch? Where is it? One catch for 40 yards. You know, two guys got 106 uh, yards of offense for Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo passed the ball 151 times, and two guys got 106 yards on only four catches. So that should tell you that their big playability, big playability, yeah, I think that works, is uh, really effective. Whether you can say Kyle Shanahan schemes wide receivers open or not, I don't care. They still have to get the ball, and they still have to make something happen with the baller in their hands, and they ultimately did that today. So between those two plays on offense, I thought those were the biggest plays of them all. Uh, Kendrick Bourne's catch and Richie James's catch. Ross Dwelly's right up there too. That, that fourth down catch was huge, I thought. Oh man, yeah, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. That was going to be uh, my my choice. 
Ross Dorelli, and it, I, I actually want to kind of analyze this a little bit. So just kind of going into it, the game, it was, you know, an ugly game, and the 49ers weren't really able to do much uh, at all offensively. They were kind of going three and outs. They would go a couple drives and then punt. They got a field goal or two. And then this drive, you know, they were they were moving the ball, and they were – let me pull up my notes here. I know it was a fourth down and two, I believe, and it was – I thought it was um, really, really telling that Kyle Shanahan – I mean, they needed two yards, and Kyle Shanahan decided it was worth uh, going for it on – with. I'm sorry, it was fourth and one at the Washington 35 – the way this game was with the wind and how the kickers are missing field goals, you could just tell that Kyle Shanahan wasn't about to, you know, trot Robbie Gold out there to attempt a field goal. So I definitely thought either quarterback sneak or they were going to, you know, have Tevin Coleman, Jeff Wilson, run it right up the middle, with maybe uh, Dwelly or Trulolo in the backfield as a fullback. However, the fact that they chose to lean on Jimmy and his arm I think that actually made a statement. Um, I think they're trying to, to, to tell Jimmy, we, we believe in you. We trust in you. This, these conditions aren't going to change our mind. They aren't going to make us feel any differently. We know you can make this throw. We know you can make this play. And, um, I, I, I was stoked to see that happen. And not only that, but obviously stoked to see them convert. Uh, because, you know, if they don't, they don't make that, Washington gets the ball right back on their own 35. That's fantastic field position. So. And I think at the time it was only 6-0. So, you know, it, it, it was interesting to see. Or actually, I think it was only 3-0. So, you know, Washington definitely has a chance to come back if the 49ers don't make that, if the ball gets turned over, you know, like, and, you know, not going into hypotheticals, but it could have easily have been different. So I really like Dwelly, Dwelly's catch. Um, obviously, Richie James, I was hyped to see him get that catch. I think Richie James is a really dynamic weapon in this offense. Um, and there were a couple runs, uh, nothing spectacular. I know I touched on it earlier, but Jimmy Garoppolo's run, that was, that was really great to see. It was really exciting. It was really nice to see him kind of trust his legs, get physical. Don't, don't mind shaking a defender off and running forward and really fighting for the first down. And showing the, the, his teammates, you know, that he's not just a, a pretty boy quarterback that's going to just sit back there and not want to get touched. So that was, that was nice to see. Um, and then I think he had another run later in the game. Uh, although I could be wrong. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. He could have had another run where he just kind of, no, 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 that was the same one. Scratch that. Don't worry about that. Um, so let's move on. What's next? Uh, what do you want to think of, or what do you, what do you think of when you think of the Panthers defense going up against this 49ers offense? You know, the Panthers have, they're another one of those teams that has a pretty underrated defense, although their defense has been good for years. I think just that it's not being talked about enough. Uh, Luke Keekley, Brian Burns, James Bradbury, obviously former Niner Eric Reed. Uh, the Panthers are arguably going to be the toughest team we have played yet. The Rams game was a pretty good game, but you felt like even after halftime, the Niners were controlling the Rams very well. Mark Schlereth in that game referred to the Niners offense as the Anaconda offense. They just, they squeeze the life out of teams and they squeeze the life out of defenses. And it's just, they run that clock down. Garoppolo, Shanahan, they move that ball well down the field. And it's just, 
you know, it's pretty impressive to watch. So coming into this Panthers game next week, I really think that it's going to be the toughest one yet. It's arguably the best defense they're going to be playing as of yet. Obviously, the Redskins held them to nine points, but if it's not raining, I do think the Niners put up 30. So coming into this Panthers game, it's going to be a task for Jimmy Garoppolo to really move the ball down the field. And, you know, this could be another one of those uh, run-heavy games where the Niners just pound the ball and they keep running it down the Panthers' throats because I don't know if Shanahan still has full confidence in Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball yet, Zach. It's just, you know, through six games so far, Garoppolo still hasn't had that, like, breakout big game that everyone is expecting. And maybe that's the problem is that everyone is expecting that. But you do want to see really good performances out of Garoppolo. And I'm not saying we haven't. But I do want to see that 300-yard, three-touchdown, no-interception game from him. And, you know, quite frankly, it might be asking a lot from him at the moment. But there are going to be games when the defense is just failing and Garoppolo is going to have to take the game into his own hands. So coming into this Panthers game, it's going to be big to establish the run early because they do have a pretty nasty secondary. They really do. And depending on how Debo's status is, how the rest of the receivers' statuses are coming into next week, obviously Goodwin got shaken up pretty good. Uh, not a receiver, but Brita got poked in the eye. I'm sure he'll be fine, but we'll have to look into that. Kittle's probably playing through a groin injury still. So everyone being healthy might be the ultimate difference when attacking this Panthers' tough defense. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a battle, that's for sure. Um I know we talked about it on the last episode, but this is not or I'm sorry, this is a much bigger game than I had originally anticipated when we saw the schedule. Um and it's funny because you would think that since their starting quarterback Cam Newton has been out and injured, that they would be a significantly less, you know, dangerous team. However, Kyle Allen is playing pretty well. Um I think they're what, on a four game win streak or something like that? Uh, so this, this team is gelling. They're playing really well. They're, you know, hitting all of their marks. They're doing their job. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit on last episode again, but Brian Burns, players like that, you know, he's lighting it up. So the, these 49ers, their rookie tackles, I'm sorry, not rookie, but young and experienced tackles, school and brunt skill, they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have their hands full all game and they're going to have to help Jimmy. I don't know if they're going to mobilize the pocket. I don't know if they're going to do quick throws. I maybe the run game's running well, do some screens, work them in there, but it's going to be a test. It's going to be a real battle. Luckily, this game is in Santa Clara. Luckily, it's at Levi's, so hopefully the fans can uh make it out there and you know, really make it a hostile environment for the Panthers. I know uh I'll be out there and I believe Anthony, you'll be out there as well, right? Yes, sir, right in the end zone. That's right. I love it. So you guys, uh, you know, want to come meet up with us, say what's up, just uh, tweet at us, you know. We have our handles here in the beginning. Let us know. We're down to meet up, meet up grab a drink, whatever you want to do. So let's move on. Now that that's covered, now that we've talked about the offense, let's talk about the defense. Um, obviously, they pitched a shutout, and I believe it was their first one since week, week one of 2016. Uh, how do you think the defense did today, Anthony? You know, you look at how the defense played, and it's like, what offense did the Redskins put out there today? Um, Case Keenum got shut down hard. I mean, he got like 
He, he got Jared Goff, basically. Uh, last week against the Rams, the Niners allowed Jared Goff to throw 78 yards, I believe. 78 passing yards. I think that's all it was. 78 or 87, one of those numbers. Tonight, Case Keenum only threw 77 yards. 9 of 12 completions out of attempts. Uh, only averaged 6.5 yards per throw. Man, this defense was giving him fits. Um, Adrian Peterson, 20 carries, 81 yards. Wendell Smallwood, 5 carries, 23 yards. You know, it was kind of a little scary at first because the Redskins, they were moving the ball pretty effectively, I thought. Uh, the yardage total would say otherwise if you like to look at box score stats. But at some points, you felt like the Redskins were just, they were just moving the ball. They were slamming it down the Niners' throats, and it's just, it's like, holy cow, the Redskins are actually running on us. And ultimately, the defense just came in. They came in clutch. D. Ford, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, Julian, you know, everyone. Just everyone on the defensive side of the ball contributed in some way, and it was huge. Again, I can't stress this enough. Everyone's going to talk about the wet and rainy conditions. But no matter the case, the Niners' defense still had to get the job done, and they did. Um. The Redskins' offense was just shut down overall. I know Peterson ran for 80 yards, but it's not like he ran for a a good, strong 80 yards. I mean, this was on 20-plus carries. You know, the yards were hard to come by for AP. And with that being said, the Niners' defense just, they closed him out. They limited him him as much as they could. And for the first drive of the Redskins, when they missed a field goal, I think every play was a run play, if I'm correct. Every single play was a run play. And ultimately, they missed the field goal. But, you know, watching that first drive by the Skins, it was like, oh, my God, can you guys stop the run, please? It was so hard to watch. It's like it was ultimately like the opening drive against the Rams game. You know, the Rams ran in the ball for a touchdown. And I'm thinking, like, wow, the Redskins are about to do the same thing to us. But they didn't. And the Niners' defense just, they clamped the Redskins after that first drive. It was just like the Rams again. After that first drive, the offense was just shut down all afternoon. And this defense is arguably looking like the best defense in football, even better than the Patriots, I would say. Wow. All right. That's a, that's a nice take there. Um, I totally agree. Um, I don't know if they're better than the Patriots yet. I think the Patriots' secondary is uh, a little more – Tight, a little more lockdowny, but this this defense is playing good football, solid football, fundamental football. And how about Nick Bosa? I mean, let that guy play lights out. Um, I'm I'm gonna move into the players that stood out, and that's that's my guy, Nick Bosa. Today, he was ready. He was, you know, it was almost like Case Keenum planted the flag at you know Ohio because he was out there, seven total tackles, one sack. And four of those seven were tackles for loss. And, of course, he had the the beautiful, iconic slip and slide after the final sack to end the game. And I think that was just a perfect statement as far as uh, their 49ers performance today. Had to end it with a nice Nick Bosa exclamation point because the defense was all over the field today. They were changing the game. Uh, they, You know, that fourth and one, to stop them from getting that is phenomenal. This defense is, they're insane. I mean, they, 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 they honestly compare to me to the defense of, you know, when this 49ers team went to the Super Bowl. They have, you know, two good edge rushers, Justin Smith, Alden Smith. Well, they got D Ford, 
you know, Nick Bosa, Solly, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, and they're all playing at a high level. Granted, Solly, he's not going to be the one to, to get you 10, 15 sacks, obviously, but what he's doing, what's being asked of him. And I think that that's great because, you know, being the second overall pick or third overall pick, obviously a lot of high expectations come with that. But I feel like the 49ers have kind of told him and, you know, set him aside and said, look, we're not going to put you out there, you know, 40 snaps a game, 50 snaps a game. We're going to put you out there a limited amount. We just need you to win when you're out there. And for the most part, I think he's been doing that. So this defense has been playing great uh, in short, obviously. The f- defensive backs, they're definitely benefiting from a, a, a stellar pass rush and some fantastic linebackers. Um, Quan Alexander, I know he took a bad angle uh, early in the game on an Adrian Peterson run, but for the most part, Quan has been playing lights out football. The guy, and I know it, it's funny because all, I don't say all, a good amount of 49ers Twitter totally, you know, lambasted John Lynch for signing Quan to this big contract. And they're all silent now. I don't see a single negative tweet about Quan Alexander being on the 49ers. Um, the guy is, has been worth every penny so far. Uh, he's wearing 56. Nobody's even talking about Ruben Foster. Nobody's saying, man, they really whiffed on that draft pick, didn't they? Imagine if they hit on that as a middle linebacker, they would have been set. Um, obviously it would have been nice to have somebody on a controlled rookie salary, but this team has a, had a huge salary cap. So it's, it's not even, it's not even an issue. So I think Quan Alexander, Nick Bosa, those were two guys that really stood out for me today. Uh, Fred Warner played really well as well. Who would you say stood out to you on defense today, Anthony? You know, I did a, uh, I did a live video with our guy, Mike, and nothing but Niners. Shout out to Mike, uh, the big spokesperson. One of the biggest plays came from Julian Taylor with that fourth down spot. I mean, I was getting all hyped up. And Zach, let me tell you, he was getting held by one arm when he penetrated the interior offensive line. He was getting held by one arm and still was able to tackle Adrian Peterson with his other arm for a stop. That was by far my favorite play of the whole game. Julian Taylor coming in after being inactive all season. Uh, DJ Jones was out with a hamstring injury, I believe. Julian Taylor comes in raw, makes two huge plays. Not only was the fourth down stop huge, fumble recovery. That's just as big also. You see guys who can't even pick up the football once it touches the ground. And, you know, it's funny to give a guy credit for a recovery, but at the, at the same time, you know, what was going on with that game, that recovery was ultimately the turning point of the game, just like his stop. So, Julian Taylor, although the box score won't show it, the plays he made on defense were by far the biggest plays of the game as a whole. Um, other guys that stood out, Nick Bosa, Oh, man, Nick Bosa's looking like Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, seven total tackles, five of which were solo, four of which were tackles for a loss, and one of those being a sack at the end of the game. Man, Nick Bosa's disruptive, Zach. He, uh, this guy just is impressive, man. He's going to bring me to tears. <laughs> that's how that's how good this guy is, man. Everyone was like, oh, get Josh Allen. Oh, draft Quinton Williams. In fact, I was kind of one of the guys who said draft Quentin Williams and kind of eat my words for it, man. Nick Bosa is the real deal. You know, a lot of people are deeming this dude injury prone when really he played through an injury his first few weeks with a high ankle sprain. 
And now that he's fully healthy, oh my God, this guy is looking like one of the top edge rushers in the league already. He's definitely making his way up Pro Bowl charts. Uh, he's working his way towards all pro status. And I guess it's a lot to say as a rookie, but man, this guy is the real deal. He's doing it on pass downs. He's doing it on running downs. He's looking like an every down back. I do want to see Robert Sala, defensive coordinator, kind of take it easy on him because, you know, he does have an injury history and I just don't want to see anything happen to him. That's kind of me just being cautious. But overall, Nick Bosa is getting the damn job done. And lastly, we got to talk about Eric Armstead. Uh, coming into a contract year, Eric Armstead had one hell of a game also. Three total tackles, two solo, uh, one sack. You know, on that sack, he split double coverage and just, man, he got after Keenum and he got after him hard. Eric Armstead is playing like a guy who's hungry. He's playing like a guy who wants that money. Will the Niners pay him? God, I really hope so. I really, really hope so. He's one of the big underrated pieces of that defensive line. And I think ultimately, if we lose him, I think it could dramatically affect the defensive line. Um, maybe not as much as people think. Maybe not as much as I, uh, people think that I think. But Eric Armstead is a baller. Eric Armstead is making a name for himself. A lot of people wanted to uh, deem this guy as a bust after not really making some noise his first few years. Well, now that he's getting the opportunity to make some money, now that he knows that contract is going to be up and on the line, Eric Armstead is playing like a guy who is a top five defensive lineman. And having that on the defensive line, having that presence to wreak havoc with the other guys is huge. So Eric Armstead, man, make that money. Yeah, Armstead has been playing – you know, out of out of this world this season. Uh, and I have a question for you. I know we didn't discuss this earlier, but do you think it's strictly due to the fact that he's got all of this talent around him? Or do you think he's just this good and it's just allowing him to show it off a little more now that he's not being constantly double teamed? He's not the main focus of, you know, offensive game plans when they're when they're talking about who's coming in Russian. Uh, do you think it's it's him, or do you think he's a, a product of his environment? I think it's a good mix of both, you know? Like I said, the one sack he got, he was double covered. Now, throughout the season, he hasn't been double covered that much. Obviously, uh, D4, DeForest Buckner, and Nick Bosa are drawing a lot of attention. But the fact that he's making the most of his opportunities one-on-one, I think that's what matters the most. Again, he's playing like a guy who wants to be a top five defensive lineman, at least who wants to be paid like one. And the fact that he's making the most of everything that's given in front of him is huge. Do I think it's a product of the guys around him? Yes. But when I see him being successful against double coverage and wet, rainy conditions where dudes can hardly run, that tells me that Eric Armstead has all the talent in the world. And you know what? I think Robert Sala and Chris Kosierik, uh defensive line coach, finally found a true purpose for him. He's been used on the edge for rundowns. He's been being used on the interior for passing downs. And quite frankly, he's been successful on both sides. You know, the guy sheds blocks quickly. He stops the ball. He gets TFLs on rundowns. Uh, passing downs, again, he can split double coverage. He can beat guys one-on-one. Eric Armstead is the real deal. Uh, again, when I talked to Mike earlier, he was talking about how he thought Ronald Blair was kind of that do-it-all guy, more so than Eric Armstead at one point. 
Well, I think Mike saw it really quickly that Eric Armstead is just balling out. What we thought Ronald Blair could do, Eric Armstead is really just doing it better. And it's just, it's really, really impressive to see. I think it's something that is catching the league by storm. Teams are going to have to game plan for it. You know, because you come into games against this Niners defense and teams have to go, all right, we got to look after D Ford. We got to look after Nick Bosa. We got to look after DeForest Buckner. Well, now I think teams are going to have to start looking after Eric Armstead. That's how much of a game record he is. That's how much of an impact he is on this defensive line. And it, it's huge. It's really huge. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you as far as whether it's a product of his surroundings or if it's just him. It's, it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. Uh, the guy, I know fans, like you were saying, were quick to write him off as a bust. The guy's been playing solid football for a couple of years now. Uh, he's had some pretty high PFF scores. And I know people like to kind of, you know, crack jokes about PFF and how they don't really, you know, watch the games and whatnot. But I think they, they're, they're spot on with Eric Armstead. He has been playing well. And this season coming into a contract year, this guy is doing everything he can to make sure he gets paid. I mean, they're going to be backing up a Brinks truck to his house. And just like John Lynch said in offseason, whether it's by us or whether it's by another team, um, I tend to think that he will be back. I think John Lynch is going to see uh, how he played, how well he played. And I think Armstead wants to be here. He's got, you know, his. his I think him and Buck were good friends. They went to Oregon together. So I think uh, he would like to be here. However, money talks. So I guess we'll have to see if another – question or I'm sorry if another uh, team is willing to come in here and offer more and if he are even the same amount you know maybe he can go to a team like Florida who knows if they need any any of the teams in Florida need him but you know team with no sales tax that stuff comes into play I know a lot of people don't like to think about it they strictly think about football but I I think that you know you have to think about it it's 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 real life these are people's lives so I'd be interested to see where he plays next year but I would love to have him back. I would love to have Eric Armstead in red and gold for, you know, another four years or however long he's willing to sign. So moving on, what are, um, I'm sorry, what are some specific plays that stood out to you on this defense? Dude, Julian, I know I said it already, so I'll just touch on it quick. Julian Taylor's fourth down stop was huge. I don't think people understand how important a play like that was. More than just, Getting the stop on fourth down. I'm talking about making plays like that is what set the tone for defenses overall. Being able to come into this game raw, no playing time, and just embarrass the Redskins. I mean, this was fourth and short. You know, generally teams are pretty successful on fourth and short. And the fact that the Redskins offensive line and Adrian Peterson got schooled by Justin, or excuse me, Justin, Justin school, <laughs> uh, Julian Taylor, Julian Taylor, a raw dude, no playing time, obliterates the offensive line, gets held, and still gets a stop. That is huge. The second play I really liked, and I'll let you get into other plays, was Nick Bosa's sack. I get that it came at the end of the game when it doesn't matter, but Zach, let me tell you why it matters. When you make plays like that, when you hit the hell out of Case Keenum at the very end of the game, when they don't think it matters, I'll tell you what, that sack had so much meaning to Nick Bosa. That was a statement sack. You only do that if you are trying to prove a damn point. And that's what Nick Bosa did. He hit him so hard 
He slid on the grass after that taunting, and he just said, you know what? I just owned the Redskins. That was my play. I did all of that. Nick Bosa just told the whole league with that sack that I am here. We are here. We're real. Come at us. Nick Bosa just, he just made a statement with that sack. I'm sorry. A lot of people don't think it matters. I think it matters. You don't make plays like that unless you don't care about the rest of the game. But Nick Bosa is a baller. Nick Bosa wants to make a name for himself, and it starts by getting sacks like that. It really does. You do something like that, and that's just how you impose your fear, or your will, excuse me. The Panthers are going to see that and go, God dang, Nick Bosa is just, he's a monster. He's otherworldly. We cannot mess with this dude because he is going to give us fits all day long. Yeah, it was, um, the guy's, the guy's unbelievable. And I'm so happy. You were talking about you could cry earlier. I could cry too. I'm so happy this guy is on our team. I'm so happy he's not, you know, on the Cardinals and we have to see him twice a year and he's wreaking havoc on us. Uh, he is a fantastic player, an amazing talent. And, you know, speaking to your point, the whole, one of the, the main knocks on him that we heard coming out of college is that he took plays off. He takes plays off. He's not, you know, he's, he doesn't have a high motor. He's not, he doesn't care about his teammates, that type of stuff. The fact that he made it a point to get a sack on the very last play of the game, that means nothing. I think that just disproves that whole point right there, right then and there, because he, that means nothing. It doesn't help, you know, like it doesn't give the Fortnite the ball back. It doesn't, nothing at all. It just, he wants to show that he's hungry. He's willing to, to, to put in the work. He's willing to keep up with it regardless of what time is on the, the clock, how much is left, what the circumstances are. He's going to play 100% every single snap, and it's nice to know that that's what we can get out of Nick Bosa. Moving on to, to defensive plays that stood out to me, um, obviously the fourth down stop, like you said. But, however, I'm going to go with a different one, and it wasn't you know anything crazy. But first one I'm going to list is on the opening drive, when the uh, Redskins were running all over the football, all over the 49ers, I'm sorry. Uh, I think they ran it 11 straight times to open up the game, and they ran it well. I mean, they, they opened up the, the drive on their own 19, and, you know, 11 plays later, they were on the San Francisco 18. So they they were doing what they needed to do. Their offensive linemen were, were getting their, you know, making their holes for their running backs. And uh, for some reason, on third and five, even though they were probably averaging about six yards a carry at this point, uh, I'm not I'm not sure if that's that's true, but I can't imagine they were averaging anything less than four or five. They decided to to pass it, and I, I was kind of like, "Wow, this is the this is the time you're going to choose to pass it." I mean, you could on on third and five when you're about to go in, if you get this first down, you'll likely get a touchdown. The way that the momentum was going, and what happens? Case Keenum drops back on third and five and immediately is blown up by Nick Bosa for a three-yard loss. So uh, it was uh, it was really telling that the 49ers defense, you know, they I'm sure they, they were frustrated and they were mad that for some reason they could, couldn't seem to get it together on this first drive, but they still didn't allow the Redskins to come out and score a touchdown on the opening drive like they did last week at the Rams. They did not do that this week. They clamped down. They said, you know, that's it. No more. Nick Bosa went in there, made a statement, hit the loss, hit the tackle for the loss for three yards. And, and look what happened. 
It forced them to go in, attempt a field goal instead of having another three downs to get a touchdown, and they missed it. So it was it was a huge play. It, I mean, and and it, I think that was even a momentum shift right there because that gave the 49ers some confidence going back out on the field. It gave the defense some confidence the next drive. So that was a big play to me. Also, uh, and I know you talked about it earlier, but after after Garoppolo's interception to Apke, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. He returned that 33 yards. So they were, you know, they were, they were, they moved the ball far on that interception return. And I'm sure they were thinking, you know, we got a good field position. We can go and, you know, at least get a field goal out of this. Well, that wasn't the case. I mean, the 49ers defense, they came out and they, they, it, it's almost like I think Fred Warner said it last week. They love, or last week or a couple weeks ago, they love being put into these positions. Or right after a turnover, because that's their time to prove that they're the real deal. That's their time to prove that they deserve the money. That's their time to prove to the league that, you know, they, they, they're, they belong, that they've arrived. This is a, an elite defense. This is a top two, possibly even number one overall defense. And that's what top team defenses do. What, what do the Redskins do after the turnover and a 33 yard interception return? Nothing. They went a total of negative four yards. That's ridiculous. So, and and I know I know it's not a specific play, but just that that three and out right there that that really stood out to me because they could have easily have said, "Oh man, you know this this defense, our, our offense gave up a turnover. They're about to score. Let's just go ahead and uh, let's just go ahead and give up a field goal, and then we can start fresh on the next drive." But they didn't do that. They said, "No, we're gonna you know play our, match our assignments. We're gonna play this game out." We're going to do what we're supposed to do, do our job. And negative four yards, Anthony, that is ridiculous. So let's give some uh, quick closing thoughts about this game. How did you think overall as a whole offense, defense, special teams, the 49ers did? Is there anything to be concerned about? Anything you're proud about? I'm still very proud about the defense. The defense being able to just make a name for themselves and just completely obliterate the Redskins. And I get it's a slightly different game if the Redskins make that field goal, but since they didn't, the defense just, they are just lights out, man. They are lights out. The offense I felt like could have done better, but they got the job done. Jimmy Garoppolo drove the the team downfield for a few field goals. And in the type of game where touchdowns didn't even come, Field goals were very, very valuable. And that's going to lead me to special teams. Uh, that missed field goal by Robbie Gold was tough. He's having a very brutal season. Now, I get he bounced back and made three other field goals. He finished three for four on the night. But we're paying this dude like a top five uh, kicker. And quite frankly, he was viewed as a top five kicker. Now, another shout-out to Mike, nothing but Niners. I know he's a big Robbie Gold uh Not Robbie Gold hater, but he's very critical about the guy. You know, you pay a kicker so much money, and you're not paying him to kick 75%. You're paying him to make every field goal. And the fact that he's missed more field goals this season alone than he has the past three seasons combined is tough. That is absolutely tough. And it's just, it's even worse when now he, he looks like an overpaid kicker. He really does. So seeing Gold struggle this whole season has been tough to watch. 
Uh, I got to look at the kick again because I think it might have been tipped. But even if it wasn't, that's a kick he needs to make because after the first Redskins missed field goal, you just knew that offenses were going to have a hard time moving the ball. You knew that this is the type of game where you might only see one touchdown if you're lucky. And again, that didn't happen. So goal struggles are huge. I'm just hoping it doesn't come down to a missed field goal and we lose a game. But if you take away the kicker, Richie James's punt returns were nice. I think he only had two or three punt returns that he took back. He had the one big one up the middle. That's really helpful. You know, this is the type of league where you don't really see many punt returns go far than you used to. So being able to see your returner get 10, 15 yards on any given punt is ginormous. So overall, the team, it was an ugly game. Obviously, the defense played well, but it was just an ugly game. And the fact that the Niners pulled it out really goes to show how well they are at facing adversity. Totally, totally. I get that. And, um, you know, like you said, that the special teams, Robbie uh, Richie James had that nice punt return, I think of 16, 17 yards. Um, like you said, it's not much. However, you know, if, when you're a punt returner, you're lucky if you don't get slammed the moment you catch the ball. So the fact that he got 15, 16, or 16, 17 yards for the offense to come out, that that's that's big. You know, that's a big – that could be, you know, the difference in being at your own 30 to close to midfield. And then you only got to get, you know, two or three first downs before you're at least in field goal position. So I thought that was big. Um, overall, I think the offense played well. They they did enough to get the job done and get the W. That's all that matters. Um, I was telling uh, Wayne Breezy that all Ws are equally beautiful. All wins are equally gorgeous to me. You know what I mean? In, in December, when we're looking back on this schedule, it doesn't matter how they won. It doesn't matter the points. It doesn't matter how large of a margin of victory. All that matters is, did this game line up on the W side of the column or on the L side of the column? And it'll line up on the W. So I'm just – I'm happy for this team that they got the job done. Could it have been better? Sure, Definitely. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo could have thrown a better pass that wasn't intercepted. Uh, they could have, you know, possibly even challenged that, that, um, Kendrick Bourne reception. That could have been a touchdown. Who knows? That would look better, but, um, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about this team. I, I said earlier on Twitter, they were playing the weather just as much, if not more, as they were playing the Redskins. So, uh, this, this offense is okay. The defense is fantastic. And I think this offense, um, I, I, I shouldn't say okay. This offense is good. The defense is fantastic. The defense is elite. This offense needs a little bit more. They need a, a wide receiver to step up like we saw today. Uh, they need Matt Breida to stay healthy. They need Tevin Coleman to go off. Um, so I, I'd be, I'd be interested to see how they play next week against a tough Carolina team. Um, uh, and speaking of that, let's go ahead and, preview that how do you think this uh 49ers defense is going to match up against Kyle Allen Christian McCaffrey and the Carolina Panthers offense yeah it was it was just a total barn burner like you said at the beginning it was a total slugfest it was one of those games where you didn't think you were going to see a lot of really good plays and Kendrick Bourne's play was nice Richie James's play was nice Julian Taylor, you know, obviously you can nitpick and cherry pick some nice plays, but it wasn't a complete game. 
Now, was I expecting a complete game? Well, at first I was. But you look at the rainy conditions, you look at how both teams were moving the ball, and you thought, this is going to be one of those games where if a team makes one mistake, that is ultimately going to cost them the game. So, And quite frankly, for the Redskins, it was the missed field goal and the fumble. And I believe Quan Alexander forced that fumble, if I'm correct. But, uh, you know, just those two mistakes really just set the tone for the Redskins in a bad way, and the Niners took advantage of that. Most definitely. And, uh, yeah, Quan, Quan did force that fumble. Um, for me, I think uh, this this defense, I think they're going to play well. I think they match up nicely. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is ridiculously talented. Uh, the guy's a superhero. I know Cam is the whole one with the superhero, Superman thing. That should be Christian McCaffrey. This guy has put the team on his back. Um, they're really leaning on him with Kyle Allen under center. So I think it's going to be a tough matchup for this 49ers defense, but I think they're capable of doing it. I mean, we said in the last episode, right now there's no game that doesn't look winnable for this 49ers team if they play the way they've been playing, if they do their job, if they win their matchups and, you know, stick to their assignments and play scheme sound football. And it'll be interesting to see. Like I said, hopefully Levi's becomes a factor. Hopefully the fans are able to get into it and really, really affect a young quarterback in Kyle Allen and uh, some young receivers. So I'm, I'm eager to see this test for the 49ers uh, because we were saying this is likely the biggest game this season. I know people were circling the Rams game, but when that happened, that was that was a, uh, a after the first quarter, that was a walk in the park for this team. Um, it was a little ugly, yeah, but for the most part, they they were able to to win comfortably. And play comfortably too. This defense shut them out after their first drive. So this Carolina game is going to be a big test for them. Um, I, I think they can pull it off. It's going to be tough after that because they have the Arizona Cardinals game in Arizona on Monday, on Thursday night on Halloween. So they're going to have two games in 11 days. So let's just hope that they, they're able to get whatever practices and whatever, you know, Films review sessions they need in and also get the rest to their bodies. Guys like Goodwin, Breda, you know, they got injured today. So hopefully they're able to get some rest, come back strong because they'll definitely need them against this Carolina Panthers team. Uh, some closing thoughts. What would you say was the play of the game? Oh, man. Um, the overall play of the game. I think I'm, I got to roll with Nick Bosa's sack. That was just, that hyped me up so much, Zach. That hyped me up to the moon. That sack, like I said, just made a whole statement to the NFL saying, I'm here, we're here, we're the best defense in the league, and we're ready to, we're ready to make, uh, how do I say it? We're, <laughs> they're just ultimately ready to embarrass offenses. They really are. And like I said, the Panthers are going to see that, and they're going to go, Oh my God, we got to get ready for one of the best defensive lines in all of football. So Nick Bosa's sack, I think that was the biggest point of the game. Okay, I like it. I can see that. Um, for me, I'm going back to that fourth down stop. Uh, the Redskins, I think they said, and don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure I heard uh, the announcer saying that, that the Redskins had converted six fourth downs on the year already. That's That's ridiculous. But they hadn't played this 49ers defense. And they had other plans today. So that was, that was really, really impressive to see 
because they were able to not only shut the fort, uh, shut that down right away, but they had one yard, possibly even under one yard to get the first down. And they said, no, the 49ers came in and they said, you're not getting this. Give us the ball back. You know what I mean? They were, they were playing bully ball and I love it. I, I absolutely love it. Um, let's see here. Now, Anthony, after the way the 49ers defense played today, how do you think they're going to game plan for the Panthers offense? You know, with Cam Newton out, well, quote me on out, but I think he's going to come back. I don't know if he's going to play, though. I think that's one of the biggest question marks is that Cam seems like he's going to be 100%, but Kyle Allen has been the way to go in that Panthers offense, and he's been winning them games. So uh, big quarterback controversy there in uh, Carolina. But with that being said, they're going to have to game plan against some pretty physical, fast wide receivers. Second-year wideout, DJ Moore, has a lot of upside. He can take the top off of defenses. And the DBs are going to be tested this game. If the pass rush can't get it going, DJ Moore, uh, Curtis Samuel, another good playmaking wide receiver. Uh, an older tight end in Greg Olson, but he can still make some noise. Uh, very sure hands, pretty good rack guy or excuse me, Yak guy, and it's just Kyle Allen has all the weapons at his disposal. And most of all, you can't forget him, Christian McCaffrey. This guy is looking like the MVP, and quarterbacks deserve it. I get it. But the fact that he is making a lot of noise from the running back position, he's going to get some MVP consideration. And in my opinion, I think he should. He's one of the best running backs in the league. He's one of the best playmaking guys in all of the league and the Niners are going to be looking at him going how can we contain him how can we stop him so right now it looks like the offense for the Panthers has really been running through Christian McCaffrey but they still have some other big weapons in DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel that could just make as much noise as Christian McCaffrey is old yeah I definitely agree and uh man DJ Moore Curtis Samuel like you were saying those guys are nice they're nice with the ball they run some nice routes Good yards after the catch. Uh, these 49ers defensive backs, they're going to face a, a tough test. And we can only hope that the, the front, uh, front seven for the 49ers is able to get pressure. They're able to disrupt the Carolina Panthers offense because if not, they're going to have their hands full all day. The defensive backs are. Um, and it's interesting to see how Kyle Allen came in and granted Cam Newton only played two games, but in those two games, he was, not good. I mean, he was 50 of 89, 56.2% completion rate, 572 yards, six and a half yard average. Uh, he was averaging 285 yards a game. That's not bad. Uh, but he had no touchdowns and one interception, took six sacks, and he had a quarterback rating of 71. Kyle Allen comes in. He's played four games. He's 80 of 122 with a 65.6 completion rate, 901 yards, 7.5 yard average. He's averaging 226 yards a game. Uh, he's got a long of 52, and he's got seven touchdowns to zero interceptions. Now, and this is the big the big asterisk on him, he's got taken 10 sacks. So this 49ers defense, I think that's the key. There's probably three things that they have to do in order to win this game. Number one, eliminate Christian McCaffrey. And uh, I don't mean to sound like Greg Williams here. I'm for his head. That's for sure. But take him out. Make him a non-factor. He, whatever you got to do, put two guys on him, put one guy, whatever you feel comfortable with. Fred Warner, Quan, 
a defensive back, uh, due to his speed. He needs to be limited as much as possible. And if it's possible to allow him to have a big game, but still keep him out of the end zone, sure, go for it. I don't care. Have, have a hat, pat your stats. But as long as you're not getting seven, I don't care if you go for 200 yards. Um, and two, they're going to have to get to Kyle Allen. I think if they get pressure consistently, um, they're going to de- definitely change the direction of this game. I think they're, they're going to be able to kind of, um, disrupt him, throw him off, off, off his plans, get into his mindset, make him hear footsteps that aren't there. So th- 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 that's really, really important. And then also is, I know I said it earlier, but they're going to have to, the defensive backs are going to have to play sound football because these young Carolina Panthers wide receivers, they're legit. And even Christian McCaffrey can line up wide. I mean, he's got, he's their second leading receiver right now with 305 yards. He's got 35 receptions on the year. So that's just, you know, it's insane. He's already, he's already toppled or he's, he's very close to topping a thousand yards overall combined come from scrimmage. So this guy's a superstar. So I think if the 49ers do those three things, they take care of Christian McCaffrey, make him a non-factor. They get to Kyle Allen, you know, consistently and they, their defensive backs play sound football. They don't allow any big catches. They, you know, keep everything in front of them. I think they'll have a solid chance at winning this game. As long as the offense shows up, as long as Jimmy's having a, a good game, uh, he doesn't even have to have a good game. As long as he's not having a bad game, I think that's all that needs to be done in order to to leave Levi's with another W. Leave Levi's seven and zero. And real quick, I just have to get this out there. Thank you to the Baltimore Ravens. Thank you for giving the 49ers a two game lead in the NFC West. How good does that feel, Anthony? That is uh that is a lot bigger than we think because with the Cardinals winning, uh the Rams winning, Seahawks losing, all of a sudden the Niners have a stranglehold on the NFC West lead. And I do think it's gonna come down to the wire. The Niners will lose a game and it's gonna suck and it's gonna make me sad. But there is gonna be a game out there this season that they lose. And quite frankly, Seattle, Rams and who knows, maybe Arizona can make some noise too. They're going to make this division tight, and they're going to make it close. At this point, every win matters for the Niners. So being able to come out on top, being able to at least establish some type of gap now is all the difference between the Niners um, having a half-game lead at the end of the season over Seattle versus them being a half-game back. So the fact that Seattle lost plays into the Niners' favor immensely at this point in the season. So with that being said, uh, let's finish off with some closing questions that we got on Twitter. So, Zach, I got to ask you, Robbie Gold missed another field goal today. He has missed seven on the season. I'm not going to excuse rainy conditions. Those are kicks he needs to make. This one was 45 yards. His longest on the season is only 47. Now, I know he doesn't have the strongest leg in the league, but he should, based on his past history, have one of the best consistent lakes in the league from the middle of the field 30 plus yards middle about 40 yards 49 and so on so I gotta ask you with his kicking struggles do you think it's a problem that he's facing personally do you think he's in his own head or is this a long snapper problem before Kyle Nelson the Niners are on their third long snapper now 
So which is it, Zach? Is Robbie Gold getting in his own way, or is it just a long snapper thing? You know, well, first of all, I just want to say thank you to Natalie Ray and V-Raw. Both of you guys tweeted at us questions about the kicking, so we're just going to kind of combine them into one answer for you because they're similar questions. Um, I think I think obviously the weather played a large factor today. However, the pattern is there. He's missed. This isn't the first kick that he missed this week or this year. He's missed, I think we said seven on the year already. That's horrible. I'm not even sure if another kicker has missed seven kicks, seven field goals this year. I haven't looked at the stats, but I don't, I don't, I don't think so. So, um, I think to be honest with you, and this is probably going to sound a little dumb for me, but I think it's karma. Um, and I'm all for players getting the money they deserve. However, I think he got significantly overpaid here. And I think John Lynch kind of saw how well he played while he was here. And, you know, he didn't want to go out and try and find another kicker that was going to play that well. Something about Levi's and the 49ers, kickers come here towards the end of their career and they have a resurgent. They, you know, are suddenly, you know, a fountain of youth. It's like almost they kick well and they kick well for one to two years. You know, Phil Dawson, uh, who else was here recently? Um, I can't think of their names. Before him, but, it was David Akers also who had a nice end to his career. Dave, that's right. That's right. David Akers. So, you know, these kickers are coming out here and they're playing well, you know, at the end of their career. So I don't know if it's something to do with Levi's. I don't know if it's the, the stadium, the location. Maybe that was all that was affecting Robbie last while he's been here. Maybe he was just a, a benefiting from the fantastic environment. And that's why he was kicking so well. Um, I don't think that's all of it, obviously, because he was a great kicker before that in Chicago and he's made some great kicks on the road, but something's wrong. Something's in his head and it can't just be the long snapper because, you know, last year we had Colin Holba and he was playing well with him. And for some reason this year he was let go and they can't seem to get it down. And I haven't seen too many bad snaps and, and holds for the kick. I know, uh, I think last week or whenever there were a couple bad botched, uh, snaps and holds from the punter and the long snapper, but for the most part, they've been pretty solid. So I'm going to put it mostly on Robbie one for missing training camp and being out and not getting a chance to, to, to mesh and do well. And also I, I don't understand why they had. Kyle Nelson doing all of the off season practices and, you know, all of the, the drills and whatnot, he's not playing. I don't understand why they wouldn't have used that opportunity to let Robbie get familiar with who actually is going to be snapping the ball during real games. So one, I'm putting it on Robbie for not being there during the off season to get that valuable time to mesh and gel with your special teams unit. And two, what if this is just the end of his career? What if, you know, he, he, they say to retire when you're on top so you don't see the downside of your career. What if he's seeing the downside? What if he's, re- you know, he's playing a year, one year too long? What do you think of that? Kickers is ages. You know, it's it's a weird, weird, weird thing in the NFL. Kickers slow down and regress a lot slower, obviously because they're kickers. But you do see a dip in accuracy as they get older. And Robbie Gold is, what, 35? 34, he's up there in age. And, uh, you know, you look at guys like Adam Vinatieri, who 
you know, is the ageless wonder, but man, he got off to a really rough start this season. Um, like last season for the Cardinals, Phil Dawson struggled, you know, Steven Goskowski for the Patriots, he was having some injury problems. And, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's hard to pin it on other factors like the long snapper when you really have to think about kickers just simply regressing like Robbie Gold. And right now, luckily the Niners are 6-0 because of the defense, but I think he's choosing the wrong time to slow down if that's what he's feeling. So it's huge. It's a really big knock on this Niners team. Again, luckily, other than today, these games haven't really come down to the kicker. But when it matters most, we got to just hope that Robbie Gold can come in the clutch when we need him to. Definitely, definitely. That's what we said in the last episode, too, is God forbid a game come down to a last-second field goal that needs to be made, um, and he doesn't come through. I hope the 49ers won't put themselves in that position. Hopefully they're able to, to win comfortably, at least by a touchdown. But I would I, that would be devastating if that were the case. Uh, moving on to our next question from Twitter. Uh, this one is from a Kevin... Blakey, does Kendrick Bourne deserve more playing time? And also, is something wrong with Dante Pettis? You know, two things. Kendrick Bourne definitely deserves more playing time. This guy makes the most of his opportunities when he's given the chance. Dallas Hanahan in a previous interview has said that Bourne probably has the best hands on the team out of all the wide receivers. When you're saying that, you're basically saying, look, I got this guy on my team. He needs to get more targets. Now, is it a factor of game plan that's calling him to get less targets? Is it a factor that Garoppolo is just looking him off or what? I don't know. But I think Kendrick Bourne does need to be involved way more in his offense because he can make things happen with the ball in his hands. I know I said it earlier. He's not the quickest. He's not the fastest. He's not the strongest. But I just something about him when he gets the ball makes you go, I think this guy can get the first down. So Kendrick Bourne does need the opportunity. And secondly, with Dante Pettis, I love the guy so much. He's one of my favorite guys on the team. But you see him put out a performance like today, and it's like, man, he's just so quiet. Now, funnily on Twitter, he had put up that he was a re- he did really good blocking today. And when you got a guy saying like that, then I guess that's what matters is that this guy did a huge job. And it could be a situation of me just looking at box score stats. But you do want to see him get a couple of catches. You don't want to see him get a few yards. And quite frankly, he didn't do that today. And it's just, it's really frustrating when you have a lot of high hopes and a lot of high expectations for this guy. And he's just not putting it out there. But <laughs> I keep shouting out nothing but Niners and Mike so much in the live video we did. He, uh, in the game against the Steelers, when he caught the go-ahead touchdown, he made a play when it matters most. And quite frankly, when your receivers aren't doing much, it sucks. But you guys, you have guys out there like Kendrick Bourne and Richie James who are making the plays when it matters most, even if the targets aren't there. And I think that's what matters. Look, I don't care that we don't have a receiver putting up gaudy numbers like 100-plus yards, two touchdowns. What I care about is receivers doing jobs and coming in clutch when we need it to happen. And every receiver on this team has been able to do that. So do I think it sucks that Dante Pettis isn't putting up numbers? Yes. 
do I think it sucks that Dante Pettis is coming in the clutch when we need him most? Absolutely not. This guy is making it happen when we need him to. And even if he didn't make a catch, his downfield blocking today was really impactful for the run game. So the box score won't show it. The game film will. So I think Dante Pettis is okay. And this offense has a whole wide receivers aren't getting a lot of targets. So I don't think that's really a knock on Dante Pettis. I think that's just a, I think that's just a game plan. I think that's just a game script. And if the game calls for him to not get any targets, then so be it. He doesn't get any targets. The fact of the matter is, is the Niners are six and zero, and that's the biggest takeaway from the whole thing. They are winning games. One hundred percent. My answers are yes and no. So I'll break it down. Kendrick Bourne has deserved more playing time for two years now. Uh, the guy is playing playing great football. He he makes the most of it. Every time he gets the ball in his hands, you can guarantee seven, eight yards after the catch, just about. So I think the, the 49ers need to do more to get him involved. Um, he's dynamic. He's a big target. And I think last year he led the 49ers in receiving touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. So he definitely needs to get the ball more. Um, and Kyle Shanahan acknowledging that itself hopefully means that they'll make more of a concerted effort to actually do it. Um, so that's, that's definitely a yes for me. <laughs> there's no, there's no, no other answer than yes. He needs the ball more. He makes plays every time he has the ball. So yes, get on the ball more. Uh, as far as Dante Pettis, there's nothing wrong with Dante Pettis. He did what was asked of him today. Um, I, 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 what did he have? Two targets, and one of them was a poorly thrown ball. So it, it, it's hard for him to have 100 yards and two touchdowns when he's not getting the ball thrown his way. Um, nobody really did well receiving today, besides you know take away those two big plays to Kendrick Bourne and Richie James. All of the receiver stats look ugly, and that's because it was an ugly game. This wasn't a game that was people Garoppolo was going to come out and air it out for 400 yards. No, it was a very ugly game, and that's 100% due to the weather. Uh, just last week, we were raving about Pettis' performance in the Rams game. So definitely, there's nothing wrong with Dante Pettis. Um, I say give him some time and allow him to, to grow into the system, allow him to assert himself as a true – and you know, even if he, you don't think of him as a number one wide receiver – I think he has that potential. I really do. He came on strong at the end of last season. So I think he can really, really do well in this system. You just got to give him some time to get through it. Uh, moving on to our final question from Twitter. And uh, this one is from, let's see, Martin Vicka. How would this game go if it was in Santa Clara? Um or even at least without weather being a factor, would it still have only been nine to zero? Hell no! The Niners should have put up forty on this Redskins team. Honestly, if if they were in Santa Clara, or even if they were, you know, obviously still in Washington without that rain, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo's throwing three hundred yards, three touchdowns. Oh man, it uh, this game definitely had the works of being a high-scoring game. I mean, the Niners' cover was 10.5 points, so I think Vegas even thought that the Niners were going to put up some damn numbers. I mean, I guess they almost covered. They got nine points. You know, they were just two points off. But if this game was in Santa Clara, 
Oh, man, the Niners would have beat the brakes off the Redskins, and it would have been ugly, that's for sure. I think even in Santa Clara or even in better weather, I do think the Redskins only score a touchdown or a field goal. I don't think that Redskins offense was going to move even in good conditions. The Niners defense was just lights out today. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, this would have been a totally different game uh, in better weather or in Santa Clara. Um I think the 49ers would have at least put up three scores and perhaps the Redskins put up a field goal or two, but this game would have been totally better. Like I said earlier, the 49ers were fighting the weather just as much, if not more than they were fighting the Redskins. So that's, I think that's pretty clear, but you know, it, 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 it's hard to talk about hypotheticals, but Hypothetically, yes, they would definitely win by a much larger factor. They would put up a lot more points. So that's going to be it for today, guys. We just really wanted to recap this uh, ugly Redskins win and kind of preview a little bit into the the Panthers game. We will be putting out another episode before the Panthers game, and we'll go a little more in-depth into that preview here. Um, so I really want to thank you guys for tuning in, and I really want to thank you guys for supporting us. This is uh, – our second episode. So, you know, expect a lot from us and you can hold us to a high standard. We are the red and gold standard podcast. So feel free to tweet your thoughts at us. If we're wrong, tell us we're wrong. If we're right, feel free to praise us. If you disagree, tell us why you disagree. Um, or even if you agree, let us know why you agree. We're both on Twitter. Again, you can, you can tweet me at 49ers hive. Um, Anthony, you can let them know again where to find you at. All right, guys. Just like the beginning at the end here. Uh, my Twitter handle, where you'll find all my Niners stuff, Perry underscore 49ers. That's Perry, P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49ERS. All right. Make sure you guys give him a follow if you haven't yet. Anthony's uh, a great follow. He's really smart, really smart football mind. He loves the 49ers. He tweets out great stuff. So make sure you hit that follow button if you haven't already. And uh, that's going to do it, guys. We really want to thank you for tuning in once again. This is the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. And I'm going to end it with one last thank you to the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs>